Life Audio. We always talk about prayer as this two-way dialogue. And in the same way that we want to seek God's voice and understand his voice more clearly, it's also important to recognize that he hears our voice. So when we're praying to him, when we're praising him, when we're worshiping him, he hears our voice as well. And so today, as we go through Psalm 116, that's how we're starting off this psalm with this understanding that he hears our voice. I pray this episode is a blessing for you. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're reading through Psalm 116, and we're going through the Psalms one at a time where I'm just sharing some background information, some history, some culture, some things that you might not realize or overlook if you haven't studied it. And the reason why I do that is for my own personal Bible study, I found that there was so much that I was missing because I didn't understand the culture or the time frame that this was originally written in. And and I say this all the time, while the scriptures were written for us, they were not originally written to us. They were written to a specific people group at a specific time that is far removed from where we're at right now. So there's lots of things that we don't necessarily understand from our Western American mindset that the original hearers would have understood that may not be explained. And so I love going through and explaining some of those things. We're going through one psalm a day, and the reason why I chose the psalms to to do this study is really because the psalms were really important to Jesus and the disciples, and it's my heart to understand Jesus's heart. And so what better way to do that than to know what the prayer book and hymn book of Jesus was? And so as we go through the psalms, if you would like to dive a little bit deeper, I have some resources available for you. If you go to shehears.org, you can find the newsletter sign up where every Monday I send out a journaling link for journaling of each of these episodes. And the reason for that is journaling is a really good way to help you process the information, get it from your head into your heart. I find that to be really, really useful. Again, that's free. If you would like the previous journaling prompts, you can go to the resources page and you can find the guided Psalms journals there. And they're just $5. One's $5, one's $6, depending on which one you get. And the reason why I have that all lumped together is I think it's a really good way if you want to integrate that even into your daily devotions. There's a link to the audio devotional. There is some space to actually journal, as well as the journaling prompt and a key verse. You can use it on your iPad or a similar device, or you can print it out, whatever's going to be the easiest for you. So again, just extra resources to help you dive a little bit deeper. Today I'm reading from the NIV, and I'm starting at verse 1 of Psalm 116. 
I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious is the sight of the Lord and the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. So the context of this psalm is the psalmist is thanking God for saving him from a life-threatening crisis. And he's offering this praise out loud and is expressing his desire and his intention to demonstrate his gratitude. And he's going to do this by paying vows and presenting this thank offering at the sanctuary. And so this is a Psalm that was used again as part of the Passover. The last couple of days we've been talking about the Passover Psalms. This would have been used as part of the Passover and it would have been sung along with several other Psalms before the meal. The psalmist is really expressing joy. That's what we see and hear. He's expressing this joy that God has responded to his prayer and asked for help. And if you think about that, even in your own life, think about the feeling that you have when you have prayed for something and you've poured out your heart to God and he not only hears your prayer, but he answers that prayer. That joy that happens when you've had an answered prayer, that's the emotion that we're hearing and we're reading in this psalm. And so God has shown that he is reliable in the midst of a crisis for the psalmist. And so as a result, that psalmist is going to continue to pray to him and to praise him. I love that because I think there's an important aspect of, of yes, we're seeking to hear Jesus, but we're also recognizing that this is a two-way dialogue. It's a two-way relationship. And so not only are we trying to hear him, but we're recognizing that he hears us. As we go into verses three and four, the psalmist is going through this crisis that caused him to turn to God for help. And it's similar to what we read in Psalm 18, where the psalmist is describing a threat to his life and he's picturing cords that are used by death as a weapon to pull him down into the grave. And so the exact threat to the life of the psalmist is not given. And so we we don't really know for sure. But the benefit of that is it can be used by anybody that is going through this life-threatening kind of situation. It's a really good example of the kind of prayer that could be used in those situations. And so the psalmist could have been really sick, like on his deathbed, or he could have been threatened by enemies, or he could have been on the battlefield or any other number of things. I mean, we know that there was a lot of reasons and opportunities for death and, and a danger in that time frame, just like there is today. But no matter what the threat is, 
the psalmist knew where to turn. And what he's telling the congregation is that it's the Lord that saved him. And I love that example that we see, praising God for the way that he intervened on his behalf. And so going into five and six, God is responding to the psalmist's cry for mercy. And part of what happens when God responds that way is he's revealing his his character as this gracious God that is righteous and full of compassion. And he's taking care of the psalmist. And it's interesting because these kinds of words are also seen in Proverbs and it could be translated as simple-minded or naive or immature. Um, it's probably in this case being used to describe somebody that's humble, but we're talking about how God is taking care of maybe it's the humble or naive, simple-minded, immature. Um, I think I think what I think of in that context is there are sometimes situations I get myself into and I don't even realize how much trouble I'm in. I'm naive or I'm narrow-minded or I'm immature in my spirituality even. And while there is a measure of humility there, I think far more often I'm naive in thinking that I can do things on my own. I'm naive in thinking that I don't need God's help. And then I get myself into situations where I'm desperate for his help. And time and time again, I've seen him intervene on my behalf. And so I can so relate to what the psalmist is expressing in the psalm. I think many of us can. Then down to verses seven through nine, um, the psalmist is having this situation that has given him a lot of anxiety and and sorrow, sadness. And so what he's doing now is he's exhorting himself. He's When he's talking about his soul, my soul to rest in God, he's encouraging himself to rest in God's faithfulness. And so the threat at this point has passed. And thanks to God, God has delivered him from impending death in reality. And so the psalmist is going to continue to to walk or live out his life in the land of the living. And he's going to do that mindful of God's presence and protection in his life. In verses 10 and 11, we move into trusting God. So even when the psalmist was in the middle of this crisis, he trusted that God would help him. And I say this all the time. I think this could be the theme of the show. God, I don't understand, but I trust you. How many times do we get into situations in life where we don't understand what's going on? We get in the middle of a crisis. We don't understand what's going on. But yet the posture of our heart has to be, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. And so the psalmist here is trusting that God God would help him. And while he found no help or reason to trust other people, other human beings, um, it's not clear exactly why he charges him or them with lying. Perhaps they told him he was going to die or they brought false charges against him. I mean, there's a myriad of reasons why he would think that. But, But in all honesty, we can't trust any single human being the way that we trust God. And and it doesn't matter how close our relationship we have with somebody, we cannot trust them the way that we trust God. And and I'm not trying to discredit the godly relationships that you have. I mean, I love my husband to death, but he can't trust me the way that he trusts God. I'm not God. I'm human. And so what this reminder is right here is is recognizing that God is the only one that's trustworthy. In verses 12 through 14, it references the cup of salvation. And what he's doing here is he's he's addressing himself. The psalmist is addressing himself. And he's going to express his gratitude 
to God for saving him from death. And so he begins by saying that he's going to lift the cup of salvation and call on God's name. And while we don't fully know if the cup is metaphorical or literal, because this is the only place it's mentioned in the Old Testament. Okay, I actually think we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we'll get into the rest of the psalm. Stay tuned. So talking about the cup of salvation, if this was referring to a literal cup, if it was referring to some sort of drink offering, which was carried out according to a regular schedule, I mean, we see that in Exodus 29, in Numbers 28, it mentions it, and there's also this part of the burnt or peace offering that it could have been talking about in Numbers 15. But nowhere is that actually called the cup of salvation. Although there is this connection with vows and later the thank offering that is clearly a literal offering. So we don't 100% know. If it is talking about a more metaphorical understanding, the cup of salvation seems to be the opposite of the cup of God's wrath, which is clearly metaphorical, and it's found often in the prophetic literature in Isaiah, in Jeremiah. And so the psalmist's determination to fulfill his vows indicates that he must have made a vow to God contingent upon God saving him from his life-threatening situation. We've all done that. God, if you do this for me, I'll do that. Now, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that we should be doing that. In fact, I think that in, in most cases, we shouldn't be doing that. Um, it's one thing if it drives you to your knees and it forces or it encourages a reconnection or a rekindling of the relationship with God. But I think it, it's really dangerous if we're saying, okay, God, if you just do this for me, I'll come to church every single Sunday. But it seems that this was kind of similar to what was going on here. There was some sort of vow that he made that was contingent upon God's showing up for him in that situation. And then it goes on in verse 15 and 16, talking about costly is the death of God's servants. And so the way it's translated in the NIV, verse 15 seems kind of strange and out of context. And it appears to say that God is delighting in the death of his faithful servants. Now, the psalmist is thanking God for preserving him from death. But in the other translations, the way it's translated, I think it's pronounced yakar, that word, as costly rather than precious. And so in other words, the death of his faithful servants hurts God. It's costly to God. And the psalmist is one of God's faithful servants and God has just saved him from death. So he's freed him from chains, probably understanding that metaphorically in connection with this threat of death that is held against him. And so this is one of those situations where I think it's helpful to read this in different translations to have a better understanding of what that word actually meant, especially if we think about it in the context of the original, the original Hebrew. And then finishing up, there's vows and thank offerings at the end. The psalmist is really showing his intention to show gratitude to God in the sanctuary, kind of like if you have an experience, if you were to have a near-death experience with God and he re responded by intervening on your behalf and you're praising him, you're going to show up at church on Sunday. You're going to tell people about it. That's essentially what's going on here. And so he's fulfilling his vows. He's making the thank offerings. He's going to church and he's telling everybody about it. And so Given that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read starting in verse one. 
I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people." Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Father God, we thank you for those moments. We recognize your hand of faithfulness and the way that you've intervened on our behalf. God, I thank you that you hear us. I thank you for your intervention. I thank you that you prove yourself faithful over and over, that you hear our voice. Lord, I pray for my friend today that may be facing some sort of crisis in their life. Lord God, bring them to their knees in the sense that they can recognize that Help only comes from you. You are the only one that's trustworthy. It Our trust cannot be put in another human being, but we can only put our trust in you. God, I thank you that you hold that place in our lives, that you are gracious and righteous and full of compassion. Lord, I pray for my friend today that you would return rest to their weary souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little bit of one-on-one? I don't know about you, but sometimes when I go through the scriptures or I go through the biblical concepts, I find myself thinking, okay, but how do I actually apply that in my life? Or if you've come to this podcast, it's likely because you desire to hear Jesus more clearly, to be confident in what he's saying in your life, the way he's leading you. I want you to know that I offer life coaching and spiritual direction. And while the two are similar, they're also kind of different. Life coaching is when we set goals and, and I help hold you accountable and help break those down into bite-sized manageable pieces to help you achieve those goals. But spiritual direction takes it one step further. We invite Jesus into the process. And through spiritual direction, the goal of that really is to help you hear God's voice more clearly. And so there's things that we will do like prayer projects and spiritual gifts testing and a life map and all sorts of things to help you get to a place where you can see this thread of redemption that God has woven throughout your life. And then also to set you up so that you can hear God's voice for yourself. Because ultimately, the reason why I do the the podcast and I write the books and I have all the resources available is because I want you to settle into this place where you are confident in knowing the difference between God's voice, your own voice and the enemy's voice. So if that sounds like something that you would like to do, um, life coaching right now runs about $97 for an hour. And that's for one person. I also have group rates available. And if you want to schedule that, it's if you go to shehears.org, you can go, there's a Calendly link where it says work with me and you can set up a time that works for you. I would count it an honor and a privilege to be able to walk alongside of you in that process. 
I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.